Before we commence today's talk, let's take a moment to pay homage to the infinite virtues of the noble Triple Gem. Primarily the most magnificent one, the infinitely merciful one, the supremely enlightened one, the perfect one, he who is none other than the Supreme Buddha. Namo tasse bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasse Namo tasse bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasse Namo tasse bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasse Okay. What did we talk about last week? Separation. Did we get that far? We did? I think I reminded you last week, so I just very briefly remind you again that the whole point of all this is what, right? You need to make sure that your progress on this path is measured purely on the on your virtues and the on your conduct and how you feel on the inside are you is it is it freeing you on the inside this freedom this this liberation liberation from your dependence on various things to keep and sustain your happiness. You need to become someone who can be happy independently. Nothing in this world can take away that freedom, that, that happiness. So you need to be able to be self-sufficient in your, in your happiness. Ironical I say that because it's all to do without, without the self. So you need to be self-sufficient without the self. Hmm? That sounds like a riddle in itself, sounds Greek, but I think uh, once we start to make sense of it all, uh, I'm sure what I mean will, be, will become clear to you all. Now, I want to get into the, uh, the Dhamma straight away, because we have very little time to discuss all this. And I assume that all of you were in the morning sermon. Am I right? Yes. This is slightly disadvantageous to those of us who watch this English sermon online. This, uh, this, uh, you know, this way of us doing this, because I see you in the morning, and then you come here, and then I, you know, although I try, it's it's imp it's almost impossible to repeat what I have said in the morning to you all. So. Then people who join us online or who watch these sermons, the recorded sermons online, those who are not able to come here and those who don't understand the singular talks, uh, they are slightly disadvantaged. 
So I am conscious of that. Therefore, sometimes we may refer to some of the things mentioned in the morning, but I, I don't think you should see that as a repetition or a, or a waste of time because the more we talk about these <laughs> concepts, the more it will start to make sense and everything will become clear. Is that fair enough? Very good. Uh, you know, we go through this every day at the monastery. Right? Every morning, for, the, as for, you know, for as long as I can remember, our Swami Nuances have been discussing and debating and clarifying the same principle. That is what Guru Hamdra wants us to do. He wants us to go over it time and time and time again because it is re through repetition we identify issues in our understanding and also as we try and go through it over and over again then th we identify subtle points where sometimes our understanding is not is not perfect and then we get help from our teachers and from the fellow monks and then that's how this refinement happens okay so there's no harm or uh, a loss in doing that I just want to get that uh, clear for everyone so let's uh, go back and revisit uh, continue our conversation from last week we are identifying uh, we are trying to identify something which has never existed hmm? it has never existed but we've always felt its existence so it's kind of like a pseudo existence right so when we say something is pseudo it means it seems like it's there but it's not really there it's like pseudo random nothing is ever random in this world hmm? but people talk about randomness the truth is that it is pseudo random because there is a principle there is a method and there is logic and rhyme and reason behind why things happen so it rained today right randomly no some, we we claim things are random when we don't understand what's going on behind the scenes that's when we say something is random so i say you know give me a random number there's a perfect reason why you whichever number you that came to mind right now there there'll be a reason for that that's why it was not the next number on the number line the reason that that number came to mind there's a reason for that Sometimes it may not be obvious to you why it is. That's when you say that was a random number. So, why am I talking about random? This random <laughs> topic? Oh, explaining pseudo, yes, thank you. So, we are trying to identify something that has never existed but has always seemed to exist. And we are trying to put a new label on this. That's what we're doing here. Because when something manifests, something is there, if something's there, whatever is there has to be able to be explained through logic and, you know, through logic. Because we're talking about the mind and where Buddhism is the science of the mind, we are trying to explain what's going on in the mind and ultimately deal with one problem and that is suffering. I don't know if I drew this on the board yesterday or last week. I will do today. All our conversations must be anchored on this. 
Now, the problem with this word suffering is because it implies so many different things to different people, particularly the suffering that we've always come to know and we've, we are so accustomed to. This is you know, day-to-day regular suffering, suffering when things don't go to plan, Some, suffering when something we don't like happens to us, yeah? suffering, suffering at loss. You know, when four of the eight vicissitudes of life attack us, then we experience suffering. This, if we believe that this is suffering, as I was mentioning right at the end of this morning's sermon, you don't need a Buddha to come into this world to teach us this. Everyone gets this. So you don't need a profound level of wisdom or understanding to grasp this concept. In fact, you don't even need to, un- you don't even need to have heard of this word to suffer. A, a little child coming into this world, the first thing it does is what? Yeah, that's not, they're not you know, happy tears, are they? They cry. They cry and cry and whenever they, you know, they feel something tensed up, when they feel something uncomfortable, that is their way of expressing. So it is not, it is not their joy that they, in that they, they, they demonstrate, it is, their, it is their suffering. So you can't say that a child comes into this world having understood suffering. So therefore, we need to agree that this is not the suffering that the Buddhists have taught us. We've been going on about this time and time again, right from the start. When we started talking about wanting, remember? Yeah, we discussed how people don't see that wanting is the problem, but not having what you want is the problem. And they, and they claim that not having what I want is suffering. Yeah, and then we talked about this concept. In fact, you know, some of you may feel that these are different concepts we are talking about from time to time. You know, we talk about rising, pass away. We talk about wanting. We talk about vexation. Right? Now we're talking about this jati thing. You know, are they all very different things? Answer this question for me. If I talk about your father's wife, and then I talk about your mother, assuming they're one and the same, <laughs> life is complicated. <laughs> Okay, assuming they are one and the same, right? Uh, not the best of examples. But you get the idea, right? I'm talking about the same person, right? I'm talking about the same person. So when we talk about when we talk about suffering, people have different interpretations of suffering. And I re- remember one of the things Guru Hamro said in his sermons last, last Poe Day was, had you come here not having listened to the Dhamma, it would have been far easier for us to explain this concept to people. Now, there will be those among you who get this concept just like that, what, what, I'm, what we are talking about here. They may even begin to wonder, Swami Nasa, why are you going on about this? I get it. Like, let's just move on and talk about, you know, what else? But, you know, you are few and far between. There aren't many of you. But the thing is, when you understand it, you feel everyone is like me. That's the way it is. Right? So, there may be those among you who get this. There will be those who haven't yet 
gotten this. So as someone who's delivering a sermon as a teacher, it is my responsibility to make sure that, you know, we all generally make uh, equal progress, right? So sometimes you'll be revisiting topics and going over some things several times over. And now you understand why that is. Now, you know, for instance, I, you know, the moment I talked this, like last week's uh, sermon, I walked away thinking, yeah, that, that must be it, you know, what, is, is there anything else I need to be telling you? I've said it all. It's what I told myself, you know, I've said it all. Do we even need to do sermons again? You know, can we can this and just get everyone to go and join the uh, Karmastana Sajjana? Do we need another English sermon? I was thinking to myself. And then I went and spoke with Guru Hamdra and Guru Hamdra said, no, no, no. That's, you know, not everyone is like you. <laughs> some people get it, some people don't get it, some people get it after a while, some people never get it, right? But we just need to keep on trying and use lots of examples and similes and metaphors, right? And generally, everyone's going the same direction. So going over the same topics is not going to be a waste. It's not going to be in vain. Coming back to suffering. Suffering means a lot of things to a lot of people. What I want you all to first make crystal clear that we are not talking about day-to-day -day suffering that, you know, the average Joe gets. Okay? We are talking about something that cannot be experienced through Vedana or feeling. You can't sense this. It's not a sensation. It is not a feeling. It is something that can only be identified through wisdom. So you won't feel this suffering. Meaning, even when you don't feel you are suffering, you are suffering. But the truth of the matter is, people will generally only go to a temple or a monastery or listen to a sermon or seek refuge in the Triple Gem when what happens? Yeah, when something goes wrong, right? So they think that is the suffering that Buddhism is here to help with. That is the aftermath of suffering. That's when you know, you're starting to feel the consequences of what you didn't do but should have done, which is to have dealt with real suffering, the suffering that can be seen through wisdom. Had you dealt with that, then you wouldn't have had this problem today. Now, we refer to this as, remember last week, we talked about not self but the what of self. The sense of self, right? The sense of self. I much prefer to use this word jati. Really, instead of using the word suffering. That is my personal preference and I want to try and get us used to using that word. Jati. And I think it, it works well with a non-singular speaking audience because they don't know what the heck that is. Whereas if you say the word suffering, they all know what it is. That's the problem. Right? But if you use the word jati, jati, what's that? Ah, good. Now we can start talking. Now I can teach them something they actually don't know anything about. So, if you'll all permit me, how about we try and refer to this as this suffering, the suffering that we are now going to try and focus on as jati. Would you all be okay with that? Yeah, let's call it jati. 
because this is the word that the Buddha used and I don't even like to call it existence because again that means different things to people. We all identify though with a self. Hmm? We all identify with the self. It is this, this energy that you feel when you isolate yourself from everybody else. When you, you know, in those moments when you feel that, you know, I'm alone in this world. It's just me. You know, when, when you feel like everyone has just dumped you, you know, and you, you feel something, right? A sense of, oh, it's difficult to say, a sense of uh, isolated identity. You know, there's this, I exist, this existence that you feel on the inside. I, do you all feel what I'm talking about? Do you all know what I'm talking about? Because it's difficult to see this one. <laughs> it's difficult to, to illustrate it and or draw it on a board and to say, this is what it looks like. This is what it, you know, sounds or smells like. Because it's only the mind that can grasp this concept because it is only a sense of it. It's a perception of self. So sense or self or a perception of self. We know that perceptions or perceptions can be deceiving. Yeah, we can perceive all sorts of things. Some of them may be right, some of, may, some of them may be wrong. And to perceive the wrong thing can be pretty dangerous, harmful. If you perceive that an approaching container truck right, is your grandmother, <laughs> what would happen then? Because if it was your grandmother, what would you do? You'd run? Towards her, wouldn't you? Yeah, you know, attempting to embrace her. But, you know, that is a misperception. If you, if you run into a container truck, then that will be the last time you'll be embracing anything. But you see, if you perceive the wrong thing, if you perceive things wrongly, there's a problem there. The principle of cause and effect just goes on with its business. Right? What you want, what you don't want has nothing to do with it. The principle of cause and effect is the only thing that really exists. It just goes on, it just carries on doing what it does all day long. There is one instance of this principle of cause and effect which is problematic. Just one. Nothing else is. In fact, you know the truth is, you know the suffering that we talked about? The, the, there are, so we now know two types of suffering. Yeah. One is just jati, the other one is just, let's just call it mundane suffering. Hmm? Let's just call it just general, basic, you know, day-to-day -day mundane suffering, okay? This mundane suffering you know is not what we are focusing here. We are talking about the jati. The principle of cause and effect brings about both of these. Do you agree? Because there's nothing that can come into being without the principle of cause and effect. The principle of cause and effect is the underlying principle of all things in existence, both of these included. Okay? This though, everyone gets, and that's why we have science, technology, Physics, chemistry, biology, geology, geography, all these sciences have been invented to deal with this. Now, you know, when you go to the doctor and you say some part of you is not working, what do they do? 
What do they employ? The principle of cause and effect, don't they? Yeah, that's why they take a blood sample. What does that blood sample help them do? Figure out the causes that give rise to the effect, which is what you're complaining about. So don't scientists understand the principle of cause and effect? Oh boy, yes they do. Oh yes they do. They certainly do. In fact, that is what science is. The principle of cause and effect. So then people begin to think, oh well, the Buddha, what he said was exactly what the scientists say today. So, you know, uh, uh, isn't he just another scientist? There's one thing that they're missing. Whilst the principle of cause and effect, everyone knows how to apply it here. What they don't understand is how it applies here. Because they believe that this is not the product of cause and effect. Because they don't really sense, they don't really know that this is, a, this is jati. What they think is this is, no, no, no. They don't think it's a sense of self. They believe it's a self. So, hmm? they believe this is the self. Jati is what gives rise to the sense of self. Jati gives rise to the sense of self. There is only ever been the sense of self. There's never been a self. I need you all to, you know, be sharp on what I'm trying to get across to you here. Okay? There has never been a self. Never ever has there been a self. There has always only been a sense of self. But the thing is, the mind is not able to distinguish between a sense of self and a self. Why? Yes, because it is ignorant. Because once you start to feel something, that's all you feel. You know, there is two things at play here. One, what the mind knows. Okay, what the mind knows, and two, what the mind either, let's say, senses. So this, I don't mean the five senses, I mean, you know, what it senses, okay? A sensation, no, say, yes. Or, um, I think the closest word I can find is feels. Hmm? What the mind feels. What it knows and what it feels. There are two things at play here. Now, first let's identify the nature of a prutakjana or someone who has not understood the Dhamma. What do they sense? What do they sense? Self. What do they know? That this is a self. Yeah, that's the prutakjana. What about a sotapanna? What do they sense? Self again, yes, very good. They still sense the self, but what do they know? It is a sense of self. That is the difference between a stream enter or a sotapanna and a prutakjana. So what has changed then from moving from a prutakjana, state of prutakjana to sotapanna? What has changed in these two things? Knowledge. That is the ditti. Knowledge or your, your vision, what you know to be right, that is what has changed. You know, so when we talk about ignorance, we are not talking about this part. 
we're talking about this. When we talk about ignorance, we are talking about the ignorance of this, but it's a separate thing to this. Let me repeat that. When, we t- when we, someone asks, what is ignorance? It is the ignorance of this. It is the ignorance of this. As in, it's the sense of self, but you think it's the self. But it's not this, it's this. So, when you listen to the Dhamma and you understand ultimately that this is not a self, but a sense of self, which of these two get updated? The first one. So, knowledge is rectified. Now we have right knowledge. Or samadhiti. How does that help us then after that? Why Why is that so important? What is this right knowledge? So what? When, when does someone stop smoking? You know, back in the day when, they, when smoking was a, you know, it was mainstream and no one had any issues with that. When it first started, you know, becoming popular and public, uh, sorry, popular among people. Um, I remember seeing newspaper adverts. Not when I was young, but I think this was way before that. I remember seeing old newspaper adverts that there were doctors that had recommended certain, you know, c- cigarettes. And it, it said, you know, recommended by this and this doctor, or this and this consultant and so on. You know, this is way back when people had no idea that smoking kills. Okay, so people picked up the habit. Then it, it, become, it became the, the trend. It became fashionable. And then they started doing it. But over time, things started to go wrong. Right? So if you take the analogy of smoking, later on comes the symptoms, right? The coughing and the, the wheezing and the, uh, you know, the, the spitting blood and you know, cancers and whatever. Right? All those things come later. Okay? What comes first is a smoking. So that is like the jati. That comes first. The symptoms of that come later. They come subsequently. That is this suffering. The smoking is the first kind of suffering. Ojati. That is, and the symptoms that come after uh, is this, which is the experiencing, the feeling suffering. Now, at some point, scientists began to do research and doctors began to uh, investigate why people were falling ill and you know, what's causing all these you know, uh, breathing problems and respiratory diseases and all that. And then they eventually came to realize that you know, actually we thought smoking was good, but actually you know, this is a killer. So we had better now start telling people to stop doing it. What changed? The smoking re- remained, but now they knew that smoking was, was a killer. So it was their knowledge that doctors could, could change. So they educated people. They, they, they showed people the consequences of this. They showed people this is what will happen to you if you continue doing this. That doesn't mean, though, that today we have no smokers. Yeah, I mean, you know, any man, woman or child in today's day and age, there's plenty of education material out there, enough education among people, at least, you know, in the developing or developed world to understand that smoking kills. But are there people who smoke? Exactly. Thank you. Have you seen that? Right? So it says it on the box, yeah. And smoking can cause cancer, it says on the box. And they even put pictures of that, right? Of, uh, you know, cancerous tissues and so on. And, and yet people do that. 
So there's a, there's a strong distinction I want to show you here, folks, between right knowledge and action and what you actually sense. This happens over time. This will happen later, subsequently. This has to happen first. The purpose of these talks, the reason I'm trying to explain this to you is not to stop this. That's something you have to do on your own if you accept that this, there's a problem with it. Otherwise, you don't have to. If I can't convince you that this is not a self but a sense of self and therefore what happens when you believe that this is a self and not a sense of self, if I can't convince you this, then you will ca carry on with whatever knowledge you came here with, which is, it's a self. Not knowing any different. So these talks are intended for you to understand, to help you understand that this is not a self, but a sense of self. This is why we used the example of Santa last week. These are analogies to help you work this out. Right? Santa is not real. We know this. But there are people who dress up like Santa. Dressing up like Santa doesn't make one Santa. Because if that did, then everything that happens to Santa must happen to the person who dresses like Santa. Let's take another example. Um, a fairy. Hmm? Now in uh, pantomimes and in school concerts, right? You, if you've been there, been there, done that, or have children who've uh, played, taken part in concerts, you know, one can dress up as a fairy. Now can fairies fly? Can fairies fly? Yes, fairies can fly. Yes. Now someone dresses up as a fairy. Right? Some of you will remember how you tried to play Superman at home. Yes? And some of you might have, might have even tried like wearing that cape around your, around your shoulders and you've thought, I'm Superman. If Superman can jump from the top of that building and land safely, then surely, right, then surely I can do the same. But you learned it the hard way. That just because you look like Superman doesn't mean you are Superman. We know now that Superman is fiction. Hmm? That that guy does not exist for real. In fact, even the actor is acting. Right? Even the actor cannot play Superman. He is actually acting Superman. Right? So, one is knowledge. And one is this true feeling on the inside. You all will still, at this moment in time, unless you have become arahants all of a sudden, will still feel this sense of self. You will feel this self. What I'm trying to help you figure out, that it is not a self you're feeling, it is only the sense of self. So therefore, therefore, please don't, ex please don't expect what you would expect of a self from that which gives you the sense of a self, because they are very different things. A self and that which gives you the sense of self are very different things. They have absolutely different characteristics. Categorically different characteristics. One will give you nothing but pleasure. The other will give you nothing but suffering. They are that much worlds apart. That's how diverse, that's how different they are. So, 
you need to what you need to get out of these sermons is this understanding actually what you're trying to do is re-understand yourself this person that you've always known right you you've you've known yourself more than anyone else right no <laughs> you you you've never known who you are you've never known who you are you know when people say if someone says something to upset them and they ask you who do you think you're talking to do you know the answer to what they what the answer to that question should be do you <laughs> No? Hmm? How dare you say like that? Do you, th do you know who you're talking to? <laughs> the answer should be, do you? Do you know who's talking? Because they don't. That is why we keep on saying, you know, we, we, we go through our lifetimes learning about everything else except for who we are. We spend a lifetime learning about everything else except for who I am, who this real I am. That is the subject of your class today. That is what we are here to learn. Now let me explain to you how this happens. But before that, I want to uh, bring back an example I mentioned right at the end of the sermon yesterday. Because it's one that Guru Hamdran Mahanse recommended that I share with you in this sermon. So... Uh, Again, that's good news for you. You know, every week I go and tell him what I talked to you about. And then he, say, he gives me instruction. Talk about this, talk about that. Right? Make sure that they understand these things. So you're in safe hands. Now, that's how much he cares about all of you. Although he may not be here right now, he speaks through my voice. Right? So what I share with you is what he wants me to tell you. Okay? The example of the dead mother or child or whichever. Now let's take the mother. You hear of your mother's death and uh, you are taken to the mortuary where you are asked to come and examine the body. Okay, but unidentifiable because of uh, too much damage to, to recognize the, the body. So you can't recognize it. But they pull it out and they ask you to see it and they tell you this is your mother. Now you have to think, you have to take it from them that this is your mother. What happens? Immediately, you feel a deep sense of sorrow, right? Because you've lost your loved one. And then they tell you, oh no, sorry, we made a mistake. That's not your mother. It's two beds down. Right? Then you go to the next two beds down and you start crying again. Right? And then, again, they come back and tell you, you know what, we are so sorry. We'll even give you compensation for, for any heartaches, right? We are so sorry. It was actually the original one. See how easily this person can go back. How easily this person can go back to the original dead body and start crying again as if nothing has happened in between. What does that prove to us? That this sense of a mother is not in that body. It's not out there. The sense of mother. Now, 
yeah i want uh, you know this is so important for you to understand this because otherwise you you walk away thinking there is no one called a mother there is and there isn't now i'm i'm trying my level best to try and explain what i mean by these two things what i mean when i say there is what do i mean by that when i say there isn't what i mean by that okay so please bear with me and and make sure that you listen attentively and very carefully to what i have to say let me take another example and we'll come back to this let's say a man goes hunting okay mangoes hunting for deer he takes his bow and arrow and shoots at whom at the deer right so he wants to he wants a kill the arrow hits his mother by mistake so the mother you know didn't know what was going on then she just walked in front of the deer and it hit his mother okay what do you think has happened is that just a a killing sin or is that an a heinous sin hmm it's a heinous sin yes it's what we call an anantariya papakar or a heinous sin now here's where i want you to make this distinction get this right in your in your minds did the man intend to kill his mother did he no so he didn't even know that his mother was around yeah he thought his mother was at home and let's just say actually he wanted to kill this deer to to you know to 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 give it to his mother to cook and you know make a meal out of it right so actually he wants to give this to his mother to to have cook for dinner so he has no intention of killing his mother but he has an intention to kill the arrow strikes the mother and she drops dead did the man know that he was shooting at his mother no did the man intend to therefore to shoot his mother no but what happened the arrow struck the mother and she dropped dead what happened on that side as in on the side of the you know the moment the arrow left what happened on that side was purely down to what we call vipaka okay that is this is vipaka he had no intention whatsoever therefore no no intention whatsoever to kill the mother so it is not dependent or reliant on what he feels or what he thinks he is doing for that karma to be a heinous sin for it to be an anantariya karma it does not it does not need for him to think that he is killing his mother however the intention to kill has to be there so if you are say for example shooting at a tree now that is not to kill an animal right so if that arrow shot his mother then that's not going to be killing because there was no intention to kill but even if he was intending to kill a butterfly and if it kills the mother now that is a heinous sin what i want you to understand here is why i'm bringing this example out to you and illustrating it here folks is to realize that the vipaka world has a part to play in determining what the net result of the karma is the vipaka world has a part to play in determining the net result 
So you have a part to play in your intention and the Vipaka world has a part to play in what it is. You have no control over that Vipaka. That's not for you to decide. It happened to be that the mother, you know, was to be killed by an arrow. That was her karma in the past or from the past. And it is time for that, that karma to come to fruition, which it has now. And it just happens to be that it was a, an arrow shot by the son. The mother did not think that her, her son would ever shoot an arrow at her. And the son never intended to shoot a marrow, uh, an arrow at the mother. Neither of those things need to be qualifications for that sin to be a heinous sin. Are you with me so far? Yeah. So how did that become a heinous sin? That was a component of that karma was determined by Vipaka. You all play with that? Right. Then, doesn't there exist such a thing as a mother? That's the point I'm trying to get to. After all this, I'm trying to get there. Isn't there such a thing called a mother? There is. Of course there is. See, you didn't need to know it was the mother. If we, if we purely say that, you know, this, this mother is only a sense on the inside, then where is the mother in that example? Do you get me? Right? If we believe that this is all a sense, you know, it's all what we believe, what we feel and all, and all that, then where is the mother in that example? The mother was not in the, minds, in the person's mind, but yet it was a heinous sin of killing a mother. Yeah? So, so the Vipaka world has a part to play and that has nothing to do with what your intentions are. Your intention to kill is enough for that to be a heinous sin. So, in the Vipaka world, there is such a thing called a mother. That's why, if you come to the wrong view that there is no such thing called a mother, if you come to that view, that is a wrong view. That is a mithyaditti. In fact, that is one of the dasavastuka mithyaditti. One of the ten wrong views. One of the ten wrong views. Okay? So, isn't there such a thing called a mother? There is. In the Vipaka world, there is something called a mother. Then, what kind of mother does not exist then? So that should be the next question that comes to your mind. So if that mother exists, then which mother does not exist? Huh? My mother. Now, this is, the thing is this though. When you say my mother, that's just another word. My mother does not exist. Mother exists, my mother does not exist. Then, then my problem is this. You, you know, when that man shot the arrow, <laughs> had it been someone else's mother, would it have been an, a, a heinous sin? No, then doesn't my mother exist? <laughs> are, are you following my example? Right? I shoot the arrow, right? And it hits your mother, it becomes a heinous sin. Did you have an intention to shoot your mother? No, it was towards a deer. But hit the mother, mother died, heinous sin. Someone else's mother come along, comes along. Again, no intention to kill a person, no intention to kill a mother, shot the arrow, mother dies, but not my mother. So therefore, not a heinous sin. Again, determined by Vipaka. So therefore, doesn't my mother exist? <laughs> yes. See, wait, 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 wait. I want, I want you to think, okay? So get those cogs turning now, right? Get those cogs, get those, get those wheels turning and, and, and try and grasp this. this. This is a very subtle concept I'm trying to get across to you. This is very subtle. 
So doesn't mother exist? Let's take it one step at a time. Doesn't mother exist? Exists. Doesn't my mother exist? Exists. So then which mother doesn't exist? <laughs> ah, right, right. <laughs> Think. We say sense of, but I need, you to make, I need to make sure that you walk away really understanding what I mean by this, this sense of thing, right? Because otherwise it will just be a word. And if you just grasp that, then this would have been a waste. I'm trying really hard to, to get this point across to you. Right, okay, wait, 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 wait. Too many cooks will spoil this broth. <laughs> right. Don't worry, I, I will explain all this to you as best I can, right? Until the cows come home, I'll, I'll explain this to you. Until the cows come here, right? <laughs> I'll explain this to you, not do what. When you look at your mother, now I want you all to imagine your mother for a second, okay? Okay, just imagine your mother for a second. You feel that there is more than mind and body there, don't you? It's, it's, it's more than just a body. So it's more than just the physiology and it's more than just the psychology. There is a sentient being there, what we call sattva in Singhala. There's this feeling that there's an entity in here that is more than just a mind and body. This very self that you feel on the inside, when you think about yourself, okay, when you think about yourself, this special entity that is more than your mind and body, you feel that is here, also you feel is there when you think about your mother. A being, a sentient being. A being that has, let's say, um, a soul. Hmm? So the soul is neither mind nor body, is it? You can't touch it. You can't. You can't tell where it is, right? So this this sense of a this sense of a soul that you know whether the, the, so that person could be cut and that doesn't die. It, the, the soul is not cut. The person dies and is born another being, and again the soul transcends. So this this feeling of a soul, a sentient being. Something more than the mind and the body, that is the self. When we feel the self on the inside, folks, we feel the self exists in anything that is characteristic of what we believe is a self. This is why, as I explained to you once earlier, and one of the singular sermons, you know, when we used to draw cartoons, or when you watch cartoons, remember, they used to draw a tree, or any other thing for that matter, right? What do they do? In cartoons, what do they give this? They give it life. How do they give it life? Eyes. Yes. Right, and then what are these things? Yeah, there you go, see? Now, think carefully about this, what I'm going to ask you. When you look at this, you can't help yourself from feeling that this is a sentient being, right? 
you can now you can now now you'll say that's a tree swaminathan it doesn't have life it's not a being it's not a it's not a sentient being it's it's you know for all intents and purposes in science they'll teach you that it has life but not in the same way that you and i have life but the moment i do this now let's let's put it this way let's say you wanted to find some wood hmm let's say you wanted to find some wood for 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 the fire right and you 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 went into the woods and there were two trees okay there's one tree like this right and you had a saw in your hand okay oh you guys are so intelligent i don't even have to i i can speak in half sentences now <laughs> that must be why you know in the buddha's time he could speak one word and he and he they say you know one word was 512 words so he must have had a very intelligent audience now i know what he might have had i can say half a sentence and you know the rest of it so you know what the question i'm going to ask you now right you know you need wood which tree would you cut or would you chop and which tree wouldn't you dare touch which one you wouldn't have any problem chopping this down but this one you feel something different yes you feel some you feel it's not right to do that yeah you would think twice about it yeah why because it will you don't want to you don't want to hurt it yeah you don't want to hurt what <laughs> what do you what don't you want to hurt this sentient being that's what you don't want to hurt now you see there's more than wood in this tree here you just have wood this is wood then leaves and you know all the just just stuff but here the moment i draw this face and 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 say this this these eyes also blink <laughs> they blink right and the and the tree goes like this right it 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 uh, wiggles its branches hmm and it uh, it it opens its mouth and say hello <laughs> why wouldn't you want to put your saw on the tree you don't want to you don't want to hurt it hurt what ah that's the one i'm talking about you know that you don't want to hurt it that it that's the one i'm talking about here's another one who here has watched the uh, tv series the night rider put your hand up if you watched the night rider uh surprising some of you haven't okay okay put your hands down thank you very much so what is night rider those of you who know it's a car but it's not just a car right it's not just a talking car huh it's more than a talking car right that's right it's a car exactly exactly that's what it is right a car that is more than a car that car has a sentient it's a sentient being it has a conscience right it it responds without you teaching it what to do it speaks with you it moves at its will yeah and it it looks after its master and you know it, it can predict what's going to happen 
to its master. All these we believe are characteristics of what? Sentient being. That is where we are wrong. That is where we are wrong, folks. This is what I want to unpack for you, one step at a time. Yeah, this is a huge package. This is a huge package. I'm, I'm trying to unravel it, unpack it one piece at a time for you. You know, these movements, the things that we think are free will, right? I decided to do so, I did it. These are all, we believe, characteristics of sentient beings. But they are not. You don't need to be a sentient being to move. You know, when I move my arm, the reason you think that there's a sentient being here is because you don't see any external force that is moving this. You think I'm moving at my own will. You think that there's a me in, inside here, more than a body, more than just a mind. There's this Swami Nuhanse and he's moving. See, he moves when he wants to. You don't need a sentient being to do that. This is just a mechanism. Now, when, it start, when we start talking about the mind and how it works, it becomes even more convoluted. Because, you know, the body, yes, as I said, you know, scientists have worked out how the body works. Mind, you know, sends, uh, with or without the mind, a, a signal to the brain can then, you know, transfer that signal to the rest of the body and the, and the body responds, right? So scientists, uh, you know, good on that. But once we start going into things like emotions, love, this tree says, I love you. So you have this feeling that only a sentient being can speak those words and actually mean that, right? Hmm? You're wrong. You don't need a sentient being for that. Because in fact, a sentient being, there's no such thing as a sentient being. It is only a sense of sentientness. I don't know if that's even a word. We need to find that. Or is it sentience? Sentientness? Hmm? No. This, this, this feeling of a sentient being is only a feeling. It's only a self. It does not really exist. But this is what we attribute. The moment we start seeing things around us, that correspond to things that we see about ourselves. So when you walk in, go in front of the mirror, right, and you brush your teeth, and you look into your face, and you smile. Right? When you want to smile, the body smiles, right? Right. So when you see other people smiling, you think, ah, the way I'm doing this, the other person doing that. So sentient being here, sentient being there. That's how it works. When you identify yourself within yourself, this is the thing, you know, I have to say within yourself. Right? You identify yourself within yourself, but I need you to understand, okay, let me put it this way, when you identify, identify yourself with these aggregates, is that okay? Huh? The mind, body, this combination, this package, when you identify a self inside of this, the moment you see something that corresponds to some of the things that you see here or all of the things that you see here, immediately you label that also as a sentient being. So for sentient beings to exist on the outside, a sentient being must exist on the inside. A sentient being must exist on the inside. This is the, what you see on the outside are reflections. You project sentient beingness. Can I repeat that? You project 
sentient beingness. That's an that's an uh, uh, an adjective. You project sentient beingness to mind-body aggregates. When you see movements, unassisted movements, unassisted by external forces, immediately project sentient beingness. So if I if I stood here, if I asked someone to come and stand here and ask and 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 make them to move and make them move, you'll say there's there's someone moving. It's a person. It's a sentient being. That's why immediately you see this tree. This is a tree, for God's sake. This is a tree. But the moment I draw these features, these are features of what? Sentient beings. Therefore, you project sentient beingness. This is this, you know, forgive me for referring to the singular term, this sattva sabhave, the nature of sentient beingness. That is what you project onto aggregates. This is just rupa. There is no nama even here. This is just form. Right? So, you know, add, add name to this, add, add nama to this. Now you have nama and rupa. It becomes so much easier, right? It becomes so much easier. That is why whenever you see someone speaking, you project sentient beingness. Because speaking is, the, is, a, is, a, is an ability of a sentient being. Have you seen uh, movies where they have these robots? Huh? Like uh, iRobot and uh, more recently, I think there have been more and more of them. Anyone remember any names of recent movies where Robo? Robocop. Okay. Pre uh, I have not watched that, but okay. Oh, Terminator? Transformers? Yeah, yeah. Okay, thank you. Transformers. Uh, that's, that's a recent one, Transformers. Been a while since I watched a lot of films, so... <laughs> Okay, so so we have yeah. What's the name of the guy in Star Wars? That little robot thing. What's his name? Hmm? R two D two. Yes, thank you. R two D two. So anyhow, right? Whichever one you, <laughs> whichever one you know, R two D two or Transformers or Megatron or whichever one you know, right? When they when you see it in action, genuinely tell me, don't you feel that you know, there's a sentient being there? And when that robot gets attacked. Huh? When, when Bumblebee, uh, when Bumblebee gets attacked by, say, uh, you know, uh, a robot that of the of the uh, the enemy robots, hmm? when you you don't like them, I don't I don't know their names, but if, when Bumblebee gets attacked, how do you feel? How do you feel? You feel sad. You feel angry. You feel annoyed. Why? What have you projected? Sentient beingness. You can't help yourself from doing that. You can't stop yourself from doing that. It happens. It happens. As if it's automatic. It, but it's not automatic. It's cause and effect. There is a cause and effect principle that is in action. It happens inside this mind right now. In these bodies of yours, there's a mind that arises and passes away. And each of those minds... Each of those mind instances, this process is going on. In each of those mind moments, as I drew on the board yesterday, or last week, right, this process of bringing into existence jati, this jati or this insanity mode is what we used as a term to explain this, right? Previous week, this insanity mode switches on. And the moment that happens, a sense of self takes place 
but you don't know you don't know unless and until you have listened to the dhamma that this is a sense of self what you feel is a self and the moment you feel a self you project that selfness you project that selfness this sentient beingness to anything that matches that description that's how movie makers film producers directors can entertain you by just showing you you know metal and plastic <laughs> uh, and rubber dummies like even you know when you have puppet shows huh you know that they are not for real but you can't stop yourself from feeling that sentient beingness you you can't stop yourself from feeling that affinity you feel that you know something about me is also there and if two puppets you know there's one puppet let's say romeo juliet puppet and then there's a, another villain puppet and the villain puppet comes and tries to snatch juliet away from romeo how do you feel don't don't do that is it all poor thing <laughs> why do you why do you can you stop yourself from feeling that no you might you might be able to stop yourself from saying that but you can't stop yourself from feeling that let's say a a, a kid picks up a toy i say a toy a dog for instance right say a kid young kid takes a toy dog and you know what he does is he just bangs it on the on the on the desk or a floor and goes bang 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 like that right trying to just you know break it into pieces can you stop yourself from feeling oh poor dog <laughs> of course you're not going to say putas don't do that to the dog you won't say that but you can't stop yourself from feeling that there's an animal here why because they have similar characteristics to you to you what do you mean to you somenos it's a dog i'm a human being <laughs> no no those are not the characteristics i'm talking about they have a face you have a face it doesn't even need to be a face you know let's say there are worms but you know like, have you seen those worms like those you know earthworms the first time you saw one did you not go to see where's its face because those are things that we strongly hold as characteristic of sentient beingness so when you talk about a sentient being you need to see its face that's why when i drew the face you thought ah sentient being this is this satya swabhav it's a feeling that happens on the inside it's not out here because to make movements you don't need sentient beingness what you need is cause and effect what you need is cause and effect what you need is what guru hanur has been explaining over the last few weeks this kaya sankara a thought comes to fruition and that sends a signal to the brain the brain sends it through the nervous system and the body moves as i said the other day you know if you pick this up ask the ask the fingers why did you do it now don't ask me ask my seniors ask my superiors and then you walk up to the muscles in the arm and ask why don't ask me ask the nervous system we go and ask the nervous system why don't ask me ask the brain we ask the brain why brain don't ask me ask the mind then we go up to the mind ask the mind why don't ask me ask the vipaka ask the vipaka what am what do i mean by this vipaka sight sound smell taste touch and mental objects those can be from memory see i mean on that times when you you know all of a sudden just something comes to mind something comes to memory right you're just you know doing something and all of a sudden you go, 
Oh, I forgot. The clothes are on the clothesline and it's raining. I had better quickly go and get them. That, has that never happened to you? Or you forgot to lock the car. Hmm? Or you forgot your wife at the supermarket. <laughs> <laughs> never happened. Second, I forgot your children. <laughs> right? I think that was a mistake. The previous one can sometimes be deliberate. <laughs> Right? So, so these things happen, right? And when you remember, so how did you remember? What was the prompt? Of course, it's not random. Right? It wasn't random. There is an explanation that you are not able to see at that time. But, you know, they, you didn't ask for it. Memories you don't ask for. The best proof of that is when you want to try and remember something, sometimes you can't. That if you, if you ask and you shall get, it doesn't work with Vipaka. It doesn't ask, uh, work with Vipaka. Now, you can't, you can't try to remember, I mean, you can try to remember, but whether you remember it or not is not the product of your attempt. It's the product of whether, you, whether there's the right environment for that memory to come, come back. Now, you might think, well, Swaminasa, but, you know, when, I, when you say, for instance, uh, you know, can you think about your best friend or, you know, who sat two rows behind you in your fifth grade? If I were to ask you that question, you might go, Wait, sorry. Uh, sixth grade, I remember it was Chamal and Sajid. And then fifth grade, uh, ah, it was, uh, it was, uh, no, it was Chamal. No, it wasn't Chamal actually. It was, uh, it was Sampat. And I think it was, uh, it was Rajesh. So, see, see, you take one step at a time. You, you know, like you're jumping stones, right? You jump from, from one to the other, to the other, to the other. And then eventually you can, you, you might actually get to the right answer. What are you doing along the way? You're creating the environment. So it's not a magic that you can either remember or not recall memories. This is simply the logic. You're creating the environment for those vipakas to be drawn to the present mind. That's why some things will help you remember some, you know, recall memories. Others won't. Other things, some things will. Some things will allow you to help you to recall other memories. But so, you know, but we feel, again, we feel that this is the nature of a sentient being, that I can remember things. I can recall my memories. Ask me something and I'll give you the answer. Doesn't always work like that. It's not whether you want to remember something or not, or whether you want to recall something or not, that is the determining factor here. It's whether there are there is the right environment for those things to be drawn, those memories, those mental objects to be drawn to the present moment as Vipaka. Just like sights, sounds, smells, taste, touch, and these men uh, mental objects, all these six things are purely Vipaka. That's why I said, go ask the mind, why did you hold this pen? And the mind will say, Beats me? Ask my superiors. Who's the mind superior? Vipaka. Why? Chakkuncha paticca rupecha uppajjati chakku vinyana. So the sight and the eye must come to be together first. They must come into contact first because they are the superiors of the mind. They must, they must come together first. Their unison has to happen first before the mind is born. So therefore... Did you have a choice about your parents? Hmm? Very simple question. Did you choose your parents? No, I, I don't mean, you know, through karma vipak and all that. I just mean, you know, very traditionally, very simply. Did you choose your parents? No. You can't choose your parents. Because 
your choosing happens after you're born, right? So it's too late now. You get it? Yeah? To choose, first you have to come into this world. And by that time, it's too late because you've already come. So your parents have already been decided. Like that, the mind is born when two vipakas come into contact. Sight and sound, sorry, sight and eye, sound and ear, uh, smell and nose, taste and tongue, uh, contact and body, right? Or touch and body, and mind objects and the mind. When these two things come together, that's when this chitta is born. So therefore, go back and ask the chitta, why did you send that signal to raise, to hold this pen in the hand? The, the mind will simply say, don't ask me, ask my superiors. In other words, vipaka. So now do you see, this? all of this is simply vipaka. This whole process is vipaka-led, vipaka-driven. The Buddha said, kamma sakomi, kamma dayado, kamma yoni, kamma bandhu, kamma parisarna. Yes, this is the same thing I'm saying here. Because karma in turn leads to vipaka. And it is that vipaka that is the determiner of all things that are going on in this world. Rupa, Vedana, Sanya, Sankara, Vijnana, these are all vipaka. This is all vipaka. Now, in a vipaka-driven world, in a vipaka-orchestrated world, in a, in a world orchestrated by cause and effect, and the, the trigger of those causes are the vipaka, what is the purpose what is the duty? What is the job of a self? Nothing. You can't help this sense of a self because that is also driven by a vipaka process. There is a cause and effect process that brings, into, brings about the sense of self. Ignorance and attachment, when they come together, will give rise to jati. Right? Ignorance and attachment, when they come together, will give rise to jati. That, again, is a result of the cause and effect. But it's so ironical. There is nothing more ironical than this, folks. As if a, a child, just like a child, would go up to their parents and say, I don't need parents to come into this world. See, I'm here. Imagine a child said, were to say that. Hmm? A child were to go up to the, his, his or her mother and say, Mother, father, yeah, I'm here, see? I don't need the two of you to bring me into this world. See, I'm here. Now you know that's madness, right? Right? To be able to say that, he, can, he or she can only say that because the parents brought him into this world. Now, th that's so ironical, right? In much the same way, when jati happens, there's a sense of self that comes into, you know, you begin to feel this sense of a self the funniest thing about this sense of self is there's this feeling that I had no origins. The sense of self, when you feel this sense of self, okay, you feel that this self, this sense of self had no origin. Do you know that this, before I gave you this knowledge, before, we've been talk, before we started talking about this, did you feel that, you know, this is ignorance and attachment that was giving rise to this self? No. You, what did you feel? I've always been and I always will be. You understood how the arm works. You understood how your eyes work, how the rest of your body works. That's fine. You understood how everything else in this world works. Physics, chemistry, biology, all that is fine. But this self, 
you did not see any origins to it you did not see a source to it you did not see what cause and effect gives rise to it because the nature of self the nature of self is that it has no causes it is causeless it has always been there and it will always be there it is just there like what the brahmins in the day refers to as atma it's always there a soul always there that's why in some religions they'll say you know it's not what we need to do is cleanse the soul so that the soul can now you know be one with the almighty you can't fault them for that because if you've not seen the four noble truths you have to explain something you know you have to give some way of for people to live live good lives right and so you know we, we respect that but we need to understand that there is more profoundness to what's really going on here this jati is the product of a cause and effect principle these are causes that give rise to jati but when this jati takes place in the mind it gives rise to a sense of self but the illusion of this sense of self is that i am not the product of a cause and effect there are no causes that brought me to being i have always been there like when i ask you go back to when you were 10 years of age you don't tell me that swaminas it was another self back then this is the new self that just born right now you don't give me that answer right you say yes i was there then i was there yesterday i'm here now i'll be here tomorrow you don't feel that this is a product of cause and effect that is the nature of self it's characteristic of self to give you the illusion that there is nothing that brings into being brings it to being again i come back to the final you know the, the 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 very important part of this conversation i keep reminding you this every time we get together that is why are we talking about this so what never lose that focus so what why why am i not talking about the bottle at the back of the room because it doesn't bother us but when this sense of self comes about remember this person who went into the mortuary cried three times three times and the funniest thing is on none of those occasions did he cry for his mother uh, for, for the for the, the did the mother cry for his child or son or let's say that's what we talked about singular sermon here i said the mother was dead so on none of these occasions did the child cry because of the dead mother because the mother comes walking later into the mortuary says putha where are you i'm here so it was you know this sense of a sentient beingness hmm? this sentient beingness is not something that exists on the outside it is purely a fabrication of the mind why does the mind produce this because that is what it believes is pleasurable we'll talk about this next week in more detail why the mind goes about this business of creating this 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 fabrication why this illusion but once this illusion kicks in it's not just here you feel that sentient beingness you project it to everything that is at least vaguely characteristic of what we believe are characteristics of a sentient being so if it moves it must be a sentient being if it talks it must be a sentient being if it feels it must be a sentient beings if it expresses emotions it must be a sentient being if it comes when you call it it must be a sentient being that's why they say kit come here and then kid comes so it must be a sentient being if he says ouch when you touch it it must be a sentient being 
See? But none of those things need a sentient beingness for it to happen because all of those things are processes which can be explained wonderfully through the cause of through the principle of cause and effect and i will explain to you each and every one of those things how it can happen through the through the principle of cause and effect and then you will begin to understand that the body feelings mind kayanupassana vedanaanupassana chittaanupassana all these three things are purely cause and effect driven but these are the three things primarily where people project this sentient beingness to the body feelings and the ability to think the ability to think is not something that is a characteristic of a sentient being why are people talking about artificial intelligence and that you know true intelligence will never happen what are they really saying we cannot produce sentient beingness that's what they're saying you know scientists they try and create this intelligence right they can only have, so far get to artificial intelligence right but they say that this true you know beingness we can't we can't get it to happen on a, on a machine yes agreed why is that <laughs> because it's not there because it it will never be there and you can't get a machine to feel this sense of self either so you can't get a machine to feel a self not can neither can you about it doesn't happen with it doesn't happen anywhere in this world the self but this sense of self you can't get it get a machine to feel it why because for that to happen you have this jati has to happen and for jati to happen ignorance and attachment has to happen and it's only a mind that can attach machines cannot attach machines cannot attach because machines cannot think that something is beautiful it cannot be ignorant wrong data can be fed but it cannot be ignorant because whatever data is fed to it that is that is the truth to the machine it cannot be ignorant and therefore attachment cannot happen in a mind when attachment cannot happen in a mind in 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 a machine then that machine can not create this separation you can code a machine to separate one thing from another but that is purely a program right it's it's only following instructions but this sentient beingness you can never create it in a lab that that can never happen it can only happen in a mind when a mind is ignorant the mind will attach and once attachment takes place the mind will vex machines will never vex it's not possible so when you see some a machine vexing what do you say it is sentient being <laughs> Huh? When a machine, when you see machine, machine vexing, it's a sentient being. See, <laughs> the thing we understand the least is ourselves. We've gone throughout sansara such a long journey. Hmm? How old are you now? All those years you spent trying to figure out and learn the world around you, but little did you realize that the whole world. was inside of you and that is what we didn't take any time to realize because of course unless we come across the buddha no one has the ability to show us the truth that is the four noble truths now how fortunate do you think you are to be disciples of the buddha to have come across the mahasangha who carry and convey the buddha's message which is the dhamma so the buddha dhamma and the sangha the noble triple gem these are 
my only refuge. Now when you understand that, when you understand that, you can wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly take refuge in the Noble Triple Gem. Perhaps if you, until now, you know, when you as young children growing up, you might have taken refuge in Noble Triple Gem saying, Buddha Sanangachami, Dhamman Sanangachami, Sangan Sanangachami, Dutiambi Buddha Sanangachami, Dutiambi Dhamman Sanangachami, Dutiambi Sangan Sanangachami, Buddha, because the Swami Nuhansi said it, you said it. But you didn't understand what this was all about. Now you begin to realize there is no other refuge than the Buddha Dhamma and the Sangha. Agreed? Of course. You can't deny. You cannot deny. Right, I'm going to leave you there for today because we have something else to attend to. So I'll quickly do the merit transfer and we'll conclude the sermon for today. <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me. Okay, let us take a moment then. To transfer the merits that we have all acquired by making offerings to the infinite virtues of the Noble Triple Gem, chanting Pirit, listening to the Dhamma, and engaging in various meritorious deeds today. First and foremost, let us remind ourselves how incredibly fortunate we are to be in receipt of the Bodh Buddha's teaching. And with immense gratitude, let us transfer these merits to the bhikkhus, bhikkhunis, upasakas, and upasikas who since time immemorial have protected and preserved the sublime teachings of the Buddha and passed it down through the generations of the noble lineage in the form of the Tripitaka, which is thankfully available to us today to study, understand and comprehend the Dhamma. Let us also transfer the maids we have acquired to all members of the Mahasangha present throughout the world, including the chief prelates of all of the chapters who have dedicated their lives to the noble path and have committed themselves towards the betterment of all sentient beings. Let us not forget that among them are the monks and nuns resident in your local temples and nunneries who have always been by your side through thick and thin, come rain or shine. Let us also transfer these maids to Guru Swami Nuhanse as well as all other teachers resident at the monastery as well as the Anagarikas and Anagarikas attached to the monastery. Let us take a moment to transfer these maids and express our gratitude to those who make great efforts to disseminate the teachings of the Buddha, be that by transliterating these sermons, sharing them out with others or inviting others to join them, and may through the power of these maids, if any of them have been born in the woeful plane, redeem themselves and be born in the blissful plane. May through the power of these maids, they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path, and attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Let us take a moment to transmit we have acquired to our devotees, friends of the monastery, who for the sake of merits continue to sustain the Mahasangha. This includes everyone from those of you who have contributed to the construction of the monastery, to those of you who have passed on their know-how and extend their well-wishes, as well as provide the Mahasangha with shelter, arms, robes and medicines. And may through the power of these maids, they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path and attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Let us also take a moment to transfer maids to our mothers, fathers, husbands, wives, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, grandparents, uncles, aunts, cousins, nephews, nieces, our elders, friends and acquaintances, employees and employees, and to all those who have helped us, supported us and assisted us in any way, shape or form. By the power of these maids, may they be healed of any physical and mental ailments and overcome any obstacles to their spiritual progress. May they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path, and may they all attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Let us also take a moment to transmit to the devas, brahmanas, spirits and demons, primarily the Sakadeva, as well as all the numerous gods and deities who are committed to protect and fulfill the Sambhuddha Sasana. 
Let us transfer these merits to our guardian deities who keep a watchful eye over us and keep us out of harm's way. And may through the power of these merits they prosper in divine power and wisdom. May they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path, and may they all attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Let us take a moment to transmit to our ancestors who have predeceased us and to all those who have been families, friends and acquaintances in this infinitely long journey in Sansara and to those who have helped, supported and assisted us along the way. Let us transfer these merits to the members of the armed forces as well as the police force who have sacrificed their lives to protect the peace and harmony of our nation. May all those who lost their lives in the war be their friend or foe, rejoice in the merits we have acquired today. Let us transfer these merits to all those who lost their lives in natural calamities such as tsunamis, earthquakes, landslides, pandemics, including the most recent and prevailing ones, reminding ourselves that among them will be those who have been friends and family to us in this long journey in Sansara. Let us take a moment to transfer these merits to them. May through the power of these merits, if any of them have been born in the woeful plains, redeem themselves and be born in the blissful plain. May they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path, and may they all attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. And finally, let us all resolve that may through the power and blessings of all the merits we have acquired throughout the day, we be able to witness the advent of many hundreds of thousands of arahants on this blessed land. And may through the power of all the merits we have acquired throughout the day, you and I, and everyone who's helped make this program a success, become an arahatun vahanse and arahat in vahanse in this very life itself and in the era of the Gautama Supreme Buddha itself. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. May the blessings of the noble triple gem be with you all. Members of the Mahasangha will transfer their blessings to you. Ragaginning midetnva, Dveshaginning midetnva, Mohaginning midetnva. Nibbana parana sukhayen sukhita tara vetva Nibbana parana sukhayen sukhita tara vetva Mamada siyalu loka siyalu satnayo Nibbana parama sukhayen sukhita tara vetnva Nibbana parama sukhayen sukhita tara vetnva Nibbana parama sukhayen sukhita tara vetnva Raga gini niveva, dvesha gini niveva, moha gini niveva, nivan sapalabeva, nivan sapalabeva, nivan sapalabeva.